Vogue by Madonna debuted 30 years ago on the 27th of March 1990, receiving its first airplay on New York radio station WQHT. Two days later, the song and its video were unleashed around the globe. It would go on to be a number one hit single in over 30 countries and has sold more than 6 million copies worldwide to date. Now, for any artist, it would be a career peak, but for Madonna, who had already been at the top of her game for five years, it launched her stardom beyond the stratosphere, and its inclusion in her work is largely why we're still talking about her today. There's so much to discuss about Vogue, from the song's nod to black gay dance culture in the 1980s, through to the David Fincher-directed video, inspired by the golden age of Hollywood, choreographed by Carole Armitage and starring dancers from the House of Extravaganza. And then there are the iconic and memorable performances from Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour, the Dangerous Liaisons-inspired MTV performance, the 2012 Super Bowl Spectacular, and the song's interpolation in TV shows such as Glee and Pose. I'm going to take this opportunity to discuss the music, the whole music and nothing but the music. I'm going to talk about the song's immaculate conception, how it was written, how it was recorded, and the songs, and there are many, which inspired the hit single. Because despite being one of Madonna's biggest hits, there's probably a lot about Vogue that you might not be aware of. For example, did you know that it was originally intended to be a B-side for the song Keep It Together, or that Madonna recorded her vocals in a converted closet in a Manhattan basement? There are two other famous Madonna recordings buried in the mix of the song, which actually started out as a remix for Janet Jackson. I'll be discussing Vogue's recording and playing you extracts from the multitrack session, including some vocal takes that never made the final release. We'll be talking tempos, chords and key changes, but I'm going to make it accessible to everyone, whatever their musical expertise. So, let your body move to the music and join me inside the groove. What are you looking at, Vogue? My name is Edward Russell, and I've been a fan of Madonna since I first saw her perform Holiday on Top of the Pops in 1984. I bought some of her records, but I became, I suppose, what you'd call a mega fan when she released the Like a Prayer album in 1989. Now, of course, she released Vogue in March 1990, around the time of my 20th birthday. When I first heard it, I was a little bit disappointed. It didn't seem to be particularly special or great, but I was wrong. And I think part of what made me love it was the video and, of course, everything around it. But there's a reason that the song still sounds fresh today, despite being very 1990 in its sound, and I'm going to discuss that. Luckily, there are a few resources to find out about Vogue. In 2015, Billboard magazine did an interview with the song's producer and co-writer Shep Pettibone. And I've also found an interview with Shep's engineer at the time, Tony Shimpkin. But the biggest resource comes from a leak on the internet a few years ago of the multi-track recording of Vogue. It doesn't have absolutely everything that ended up in the finished track, but it does offer quite a few clues as to how the song was put together. And it really is very interesting. 
Step back to the summer of 1989. Madonna had released Like a Prayer a few months earlier. She had filmed her performance as Breathless Mahoney for Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy movie, and she'd recorded a soundtrack of music uh, that was included in that film, but also inspired by it. Vogue came about when the head of dance music at Warner Bros Records, Craig Kostich, decided to pair Madonna with remixer Shep Pettibone. Now, Shep had been responsible for a number of remixes by Madonna, and quite frankly was the remixer of, well, practically everybody. I suppose he was the Calvin Harris or David Guetta of the time. Shep was American and remixed a lot of American artists like, uh, of course, Madonna and Whitney Houston. Um, but he was also quite familiar to a lot of British uh, music acts, such as Pet Shop Boys, New Order, Shakespeare's Sister. Um, his reworking of Lessons in Love by uh, Level 42 is superb. Do check it out. And what he'd started to do was rather than just doing remixes, he did reproductions where he, he started from scratch with songs and created them again. His work with Madonna started around the True Blue period and he'd remixed pretty much all of her singles since that album came out. Significantly, he'd worked with her on the You Can Dance album, which was a long player of remixes of some of her most familiar hits. But they'd actually known each other for many years from the New York club scene, well before Madonna was famous. Madonna released Like a Prayer in March 1989 and Shep did some remixes for that song, including a complete reproduction. He did the same when Express Yourself was released a few months later. And his non-stop Express Mix, as it was called, was so popular with the record company and presumably Madonna that they decided to redub the video that had already been shot to include Shep's mix. Madonna had been due to tour in 1989, but for various reasons to do with the funding and Pepsi-Cola, that never happened, uh, well, not until the next year. So a few singles were released from the Like A Prayer album. Uh, none of them were quite as big as the first two, and the hope had been that Keep It Together, the final uh, single from the album, might be a bit more chart-friendly. Craig decided to do this experiment with Shep and Madonna and gave Shep a budget of $5,000. Now, that might seem quite a lot of money, but back then, believe it or not, even with inflation, it wasn't very much to produce a record. Shep took about a week to come up with a backing track before he sent it to Madonna. Tony Shimkin gave a bit more info about the inspiration from that song. Now, only a few months earlier, Shep had remixed a song from Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album called Miss You Much. The dance mix might sound quite familiar if I play it to you now. Well, that's exactly the same key as Vogue. Uh, the chorus is AB minor and exactly the same tempo as well. And let's face it, it's pretty similar. I wonder what Madonna would say about that today. It feels uh, reductive. <laughs> In fairness, Madonna may not even know that it's based on the same song at all. Now, before we discuss Madonna's writing of the melody and the lyrics, I want to break down that backing track 
and sort of analyse it a bit. And hopefully this will be interesting because you might well hear some stuff that you'd never heard before or possibly hadn't realised you heard. Let's talk about the basic drum track that sits beneath Vogue. It's a basic 909 drum beat. Um, it's practically identical to the one that was on the Janet Jackson song. Very, very similar to the, the beat that was on Shep's remix of Express Yourself. And really nothing special. Uh, the multitrack offers this um, um, a mono mix of uh, the 909 drums and they sound like this. Now, what sits underneath that beat is really quite interesting. It's a break beat, presumably lifted from another song, which just loops throughout pretty much all of the song. And um, that sounds like this. I absolutely love that break beat. I have a suspicion where it comes from, and I'll share that with you later. Um, but it's possibly worth noting that that particular breakbeat appears again in another Madonna song, Deeper and Deeper, um, when that specific song references Vogue. Um, but that's a story for another time. There's also a lot of high-end percussion in Vogue. Uh, there are tambourines. Um, exactly the same tambourine pattern as in the Janet Jackson song. There's finger snaps, um, there are triangles, um, white noise, congas. I'm playing some of it now in the background and presumably you recognise it from the track itself. Now, of course, there's also the, the bass line, which uh, plays throughout Vogue. Shep originally recorded a two-bar repetitive bass line that went through the entire track. Um, but after Madonna recorded her vocals, and obviously she'd written a melody to that, he changed it slightly. Um, I'll come to that bit when we, we, we reach that part of the song. But for now, here's the, the main bass line that you hear, and here's how it sounds in the multitrack. So I was saying about a variation. Um, now, when Madonna recorded her vocals, Shep felt that the structure of that bass line could change to represent that. But Madonna didn't want him to do that. She really liked the underground, loopy, repetitive feel to the song. But he said, well, you do what you do and I'll do what I do. Um, and he recorded some variations to the bass line. Um, I'm gonna play those in now. They'll, they'll sound familiar to you. So there we have the basic rhythm track to Vogue. Um, let's get on to uh, the rest of the song. Um, and before we go any further, there's an elephant in the room, which is a couple of other tracks which are going to sound kind of familiar to you. The first is a song from 1973-74 by an artist called MFSB, and it's called Love is the Message. And it sounds like this. Hmm, sound a little familiar to you? Yep, <laughs> definitely an inspiration. Now those horns that you can hear are particularly interesting because they were the subject of a lawsuit against Madonna and Shep Pettipone. It was claimed that the horn stamps were sampled and used in Vogue without permission. 
Now, Shep responded that he recreated those sounds and they weren't actually samples at all. But there's another song I want you to hear now, and it's called Love Break by Sal Soul Orchestra. Now, those conga samples and that vibra slap definitely appear in the 12 inch remix of Vogue. And in fact, this entire beat that you're about to hear now, I'm pretty sure that versions of that are the breakbeat that we've heard elsewhere in Vogue. Also included in the multitrack of Vogue is a repetitive looped chant, which sounds like this. Now that actually runs underneath the entire eight minute long multitrack of the Madonna track. And you can also hear it in the 12 inch mix of that song. Interestingly, Shep Pettibone was the remixer of that song in 1983, so presumably did have access to the stems from that composition. <laughs> now, Madonna and Shep won the court case. It was decided that the horn stabs weren't significant enough for people to notice them. Um, I can't help but wonder what Madonna would think about those comparisons. It feels... Uh reductive <laughs> well should we move on from that and instead talk about the the session with madonna when she flew to new york to record her vocals when she spoke to shep and said she wanted to call the song vogue his reaction was that he thought that was actually a bit old hat and that the the voguing scene in new york was maybe not on its way out but wasn't quite fresh but of course madonna knows best it may have been an underground scene, but most of us possibly hadn't heard of it before. And like everything she does, well, she just took it and, and made it 100% better. Now, I often feel that Madonna isn't given credit as a songwriter and a composer and an artist. Shep may have recorded that backing track, but the melody, the lyrics and that performance is 100% Madonna. And I can't help but feel it's largely because she's a woman, because she's a woman that's used her, her body and her face and her image to sell records, that people don't give her the same sort of serious acclaim that they would give a, a male artist. You know, look at the, the American greats like Bob Dylan, um, Bruce Springsteen, even Michael Jackson. They're, they're given credit for the artistry. And in fact, some female artists um, like Janis Joplin or, or Patti Smith uh, are given that to claim as well. But Madonna never really has been awarded the just exactly what she deserves for being a, a composer. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that melody for Vogue is, is flawless. Uh, and her vocal delivery, whilst not technically brilliant, is really strong and, and cuts through the entire record. Do you want to hear a bit? Okay, here's a bit of Madonna's dry vocal take from Vogue. Look around, everywhere you turn is heartache. It's everywhere that you go. You try everything you can to escape the pain of life that you know. 
and according to Shep, Madonna recorded her vocals in one take. She did it verses and then choruses, but it's the first take that you're actually hearing. But what's really interesting is because of the budget restrictions that Shep was underneath, he had to use um, a basement um, in a building on West 56th Street in Manhattan that had been converted into, I suppose, a sort of makeshift studio just because it was cheap. And the vocal booth that Madonna recorded in was a closet that had the doors ripped off and a glass door put there instead. Um, not really the high-tech studios that she'd been used to recording in. But I think Madonna really enjoyed that. She she talked about how it felt really underground, quite literally, <laughs> I guess. Um, and that was kind of the feel that she wanted to get for the song. Now, of course, probably the most famous part of Vogue is the rap appears in the middle of the song where Madonna sings about Greta Garbo, Amaro, Dietrich and DiMaggio. Now there are differing stories as to how that rap was written. Tony Shimkin suggests that Madonna came prepared with it when she flew up on the red eye to New York. But Shep says something different. Uh, he says it was an empty piece of the song. They weren't sure how to fill it. Um, he suggested a rap, and he suggested that Madonna write down the names of a load of uh, actors uh, and actresses from Hollywood, uh, and they put it together and recorded it. Um, and of course, it's probably the, the centerpiece of the entire song. Greta Garbo, Anne Monroe, Dietrich and DiMaggio, Marlon Brando, Jimmy Dean, on the cover of a magazine, Grace Kelly, Now, I've listened to the recording several times. It's double-tracked, meaning that she recorded it twice. Um, and there are possibly one, maybe two drop-ins uh, in it. Um, so it wasn't done in one take, but it's really precise. The, the double-tracking is really fantastic. And I think, you know, it's a testament to Madonna's uh, skills as a vocalist. Technically, she wasn't the best singer, but she was able to create such a tone, even when she's speaking vocals into a song, that it sounds really fantastic and cuts through, cuts through the actual track and is still memorable all these years later on. So I mentioned that there are a couple of other Madonna songs buried in the mix of Vogue and you might be wondering what they are. Now there's a, a musical figure that happens at various points throughout the song, um, particularly at the beginning of the 7-inch version and I'm going to play it to you now because it sounds like this. Now you might not recognise that but do go back and listen to the track and you'll hear it normally in the build-up to choruses. Um, does it sound familiar? Well possibly not. But if you double the speed, it sounds like this. Sound familiar? That's actually the intro to another Madonna song. Yep, lucky star. And also in the multi-track and occasionally heard in some of the remixes that Shep did at the same time, is this plucked sampled guitar bit. Do you recognize this? Here. There. Did you hear that? That guitar? It's going to come up again any second now. Are you ready? Okay. That's actually a sample from Like a Virgin. So there we go. Two famous Madonna songs included in an already famous Madonna song. So, according to Shep, after Madonna recorded her vocals, he worked on the track for about another two weeks. We know that he recorded background singers, we know that he added piano and changed the bass line, and he delivered a variety of remixes to Craig Kostich at Warner Bros Records. 
Now, what happened next? Well, quite simply, they heard it. I mean, it's kind of obvious now, but uh, those record executives realized that Vogue had the potential to be uh, a, a massive success. So the first thing they did was stop plans to release Keep It Together as a single. Vogue was instead chosen as a single and would be appended to I'm Breathless, which was the upcoming soundtrack to Dick Tracy that would be released in the summer. The video was choreographed and shot, and that dance routine, and indeed the entire song, was included in plans for the upcoming Blonde Ambition Tour, which launched in Japan in April. The rest, of course, is history. 30 years later, we're still talking about Vogue, and that's partly because of Shep's wonderful um, production, but I think ultimately it's down to Madonna and it's down to the lyrics and the vibe of the song. It's about escapism. I know a place where we can get away, it's called the dance floor, and here's what it's for. I hope you've enjoyed the very first edition of Inside the Groove. I've got something really exciting to play for you now. But before I go, well, please subscribe because I'll be doing more of these. Um, I think next I will probably do Open Your Heart, which is one of my absolute favourite Madonna songs. And there's a lot to say about that one, too. Subscribe to this podcast, follow me on Twitter at InsideTheGroove1, that's a digit one, at InsideTheGroove1. Let me know what you think. Let your friends know about the podcast. So I'm going to leave you with something a bit special. When Madonna recorded her vocals in that basement in New York, she recorded some stuff that wasn't used in, in any of the mixes. I've done a rough mix, put it together with uh, what's already out there and created a new ending for the song and it feels like uh, a really fitting way to end this podcast. I hope you really enjoy it. I've been Edward Russell, this is Inside the Groove and here is a never heard before ending to Vogue. <laughs>